Welcome to the podcast, Appetite for Distortion, episode number 307. My name is Brando, and it is Monday night where I am. And I always have to make sure if I speak to any of my mates in Australia, like I have to confirm the day and the time because it's just you guys live in a different world. Andrew Stockdale, you're you're in Australia right, right now, correct? We live on the other side of the world. Yes, <laughs> yes you do. It's uh, I always have to make sure. I mean, with any, I have it just with the uh, East Coast and the West Coast with so the three hour difference. People get that wrong. So I'm glad yeah. you're taking time at the beginning of your Tuesday or midday Tuesday uh, mm. to speak with me. Um, it's amazing, isn't it, that you can do this now? Like the, the world's gotten smaller. and It has. And I guess it kind of lends it, itself to this conversation because the world got smaller uh, real yeah. quick uh, in, in 2020. And thankfully, you guys released an album just before Armageddon hit, right? That was the last, <laughs> uh, that was the last Wolf Mother effort it was right before the pandemic. Yeah. 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 It was, uh, what was it called? Rock and Roll Baby. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, it was put out just uh, on New Year's Eve um, in 2019 and, uh, yeah, recorded um, two songs at Dave Grohl's studio, two song, well, two songs at a, a local band studio in Brisbane and one song at a studio here in Byron Bay. And, yeah, so I was just sort of like hopping around all these different studios Um trying different, you know, different places, different energy, get inspired by different people. And yeah. Thankfully it was at a time where you were able to do that. You didn't have to do COVID protocols or wear a mask before going into each one. So I guess before we get yeah. into what you have you know, going on in the future, I have a lot of uh, yeah. listeners from Australia. Things are, are, are different down there. I'm not talking about the giant spiders and kangaroos. I'm talking about with COVID and everything. Like, are you yeah. still in lockdown? Like, how is it? Are you, are you okay? Uh, are you okay. We can't trash, trash, <laughs> trash places. Um, now we can't travel internationally. That's the, that's the biggest um, restriction. I think there's no country in the world that has even dictatorships and haven't banned international travel, but uh, yeah. So we've had that in place for almost two years, which, I think is coming to an end in the next couple of weeks. Um, we can't. So uh, Queensland, which is like 20 kilometers away from where I am, I'm on the border, I'm in Byron Bay. Um, and I can't go to Queensland, but in like a week, I'll be able to go to Paris. <sighs> so mean. yeah, we're, we're in, you got some States that want to do lock, uh, they shut down their borders and then other parts that do lockdown. But yeah, we were in lockdown for about two weeks because someone came up from Sydney with COVID and then everyone freaked out. And, you know, but it's different to the States where you've got like, you know, hundreds of thousands. I don't know how many people have got COVID. It's just everywhere, isn't it? You just got it. It depends on, I guess, what state you're in. I guess there's a lot of, there's a lot in Florida. But here in New York, we got pretty good. I think I may have got COVID in January. So maybe I got COVID from the new Wolf Mother album after I listened to it the first time. It was, <laughs> it was before uh, it was before like COVID was a thing. I just thought I got the flu and I never get the flu. So that was in itself was very rare. So but, you got tested? Uh, never got tested, but I, I got vaccines. I guess, I don't know. At that point, I got sick. I was working from home. I, I'm like, I, I wasn't working around people. I need... Yeah anything shoved up my nose. My, yeah. my, my fiance works with little kids. So she had to get tested and get, you know, swapped up the yeah. nose, but I avoided that thankfully. But yeah. I guess, how are you, 
How have you been handling when you are in the downtime, when you are in lockdown? Are you focusing on music? Are you binge watching stuff? Like, how are you staying creative when you have these lapses in your career? Yeah. yeah. Well, initially I was like, oh, wow. Like, um, I don't have to do anything. Like, you know, just, <laughs> um, cause you know, like my life for the last 18 years has been, like, you know, tours and then a month off and then tours and then a month. So I'm always kind of like, oh, I just got back from somewhere on the other side of the world, you know, in Australia, it's like, you know, 20 hour flight. Um, so I was kind of, initially I was like relieved because I, I think I subconsciously wanted to stop touring, <laughs> but I didn't have the guts to say it to a booking agent because I thought if I stop, if I say I don't want to tour, then they won't book me in the future because you've got to be the rock warrior and freaking put your life on the line and say yes to every tour and be grateful to have the best job in the face of the earth. But um, yeah, for a little while it was good, but, but you know, you start to get the itch after a bit of time off when you see like, other bands on tour on Instagram, you're like, oh man, I'm missing out. Yeah, like that but, makes uh, that makes sense. That makes sense. Cause that's what I would always ask about to some of these musicians that are just constantly on the road. I'm like, yeah. it's kind of like a blessing in disguise where you get to do nothing. And it, yeah, you're right. But as a lot of people do, even me, who I, I love doing nothing, there comes to a point yeah. where it's like, I got to do something. I got to get out there. So what was the first inspiration? Did you want to start as we're talking on zoom? Did you want to start doing zoom shows or how did you want to start attacking it or just looking for the first live show that you could possibly do? Um, well, I started doing all these covers initially. I probably learned like 30 covers and I did that on Instagram for a while. And then we did, um, we did a live show on a rooftop for a Mexican festival. So I just found this rooftop and we used drones and we we're on like the 30th floor of this building with drones going around and we recorded it. And it sort of, um, it changed my way of thinking in that, like, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm like a early two thousands band, you know what I mean? Like, so I'm like used to like, you know, all that stuff's done for you. You know what I mean? You rock up to a TV station, the cameras are in place. You know, you can have a couple of drinks, get on there, play woman for the thousandth time and that's it. And they go, that's great. You walk out. But now it's like, Oh, you've got to arrange a, you know, and a sound engineer, you got to get five cameras. You got to book the lights. You got to book the location and then we're going to edit it. And then we're going to like, so it sort of um, forced me to like lift my game a little bit in um, just being organized. And I think you've probably seen that like online that like some of these bands are like tech savvy and have really like, like done really well during this time. And others are just like kind of just gone quiet waiting for things to go back to normal, but, and that hasn't happened, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's, um, it's forced me to just like not be like, I don't have to do anything. I'm going to wait till the next tour. So what you, I think it's <laughs> awesome because part of me was like that too. You know, when I, I normally, I'm in, normally in New York City working at iHeartRadio in Tribeca. And that's where I would do these podcasts or have my real radio job in a studio. Yeah. And I get, you know, sent home and now I have a board here and I'm like, do I, continue the podcast from home that seems so cheesy but you see all these yeah. other shows continuing or bands continuing so i'm making the parallel here yeah and so i'm learning we've all learned a lot about ourselves during this time how to stay creative how to push yourself so what have yeah. you learned i guess about yourself have you found um i use this analogy mm -hmm. you have a, a crayon box and you have all the different crayons in your box yeah. You may not use them all. You may not know some are even there. Have you learned any, yeah. you found any other crayons in your box that you weren't aware of before the yeah. pandemic? You know, anything new you learned about yourself? Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, usually if I was working on a record at home or something, I'd be like, I'm going to LA. I'm going to finish off this record at the best studio, like Henson studios. And I'm just going to, they're going to sort it out. And, 
you know, I'll just take my hard drive over and, you know, and I'm like, oh, you can't do that. Like you're going to, you know, you're going to have to sort this out yourself. You're going to have to Dropbox. You're going to have to learn how to use Dropbox. You're going to have to get the passwords. You're going to have to upload the stems. I don't even know what stems I'm going to, I'm going to have to get pro tools on my laptop. I'm like, I don't know the part, like I, I've literally spent days just looking for passwords and learning, <laughs> you know, and just like, like a whole day learning how to bounce a session and like, you know, people go, okay, dude, I don't know how to bounce a freaking like a pro tool session. That took me five hours to do that. You know, I, I'm embarrassed to say so, but yeah. So that's, if you're talking about the crayon box, it's like my weakness is um, technical stuff. And um, I think the world has allowed us to run away from our weaknesses and just let other people pick up the pieces. And that's how we work together. And that's how we accomplish like great things. But now it's like, uh, you know, um, you're gonna have to work that out yourself. You're gonna have to, you know, and, and yeah, this, I mean, I've made another record. I've just finished recording a, a whole, which I'm really happy with. Um, I think the songwriting is really strong. The riffs are strong, the arrangements are tight, everything. You know, and I've recorded it in this space here. Um, and I've used local musicians, you know, usually I'd fly in someone from Sydney or something, you know, like, from other places now I'm using everyone locally. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of forced me to, to be more resourceful and, and, um, yeah. Yeah. And we've done, I think we've done a good job. Yeah. Um, that's going to come out in the, cause I, I, the last thing I read was that you had a lot of songs written for the new album. So as this, downtime time of learning trying to remember all your passwords did that make making this record more or less challenging the previous wolf mother records you know like yeah with with the technology was it maybe it slowed you down a little bit but was it easier perhaps? and i'm from like the school of like i guess you know i've been around for a little while now so like i've never seen you know, when we, rec we recorded the first record, like I've never seen those sessions. Do you know what I mean? Like, so I would like record, I mean, uh, I would record something, say it. Um, I would record something and not even ask for the session. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like I would pay for the studio and they just walk out. And then it's like, oh, someone better go back and get that. <laughs> you know, I think I'm exposing myself, but, you know, I, but I, Hey, that's what it's about. You know, I don't, I don't really, I just, you know, you're rock stars. They're just like us. I think that's, you're showing that you're, you had, you were given this talent, this musical talent. And it's yeah. like, you're almost doing a live performance when you're going into record and I'm like, okay, yeah. you came in, I performed, I'm gone. It was almost yeah. the same thing for me for a while. I like being on air, but I got to, I got to yeah. learn how to edit. I got to learn how to, you know, produce and produce production, all these different things kind of yeah. got by. So I'm sure there are a lot of people just like you, maybe not on your level, you know, as, as, uh, as a, but it's, but it's, it's nothing to be embarrassed about for sure. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, I, I have like the level of attention to detail now is off the scale, you know, like, I mean, I've gone to, Sydney International Airport on a nine week tour and I don't have an itinerary. I don't know where I'm going. Like, yeah. And I just take my passport and go, Hey, it's freaking 30 shows and that's it. That's all I know. You know? And I think that's what it takes. Like, you know, that's what it takes to, to make it is to like switch off and just trust in the process and go for it. Whereas now I guess like, you know, the, the mindset has shifted to like, I should know everything. I should book everything. I should uh, check the, you know, this and that, and this, and you know, it's, it's more detailed. I think people have become more detailed, detail orientated. And 
I don't know if that's exactly what people wanted from rock and roll in the first place or from bands, if they wanted that kind of, I mean, they want, they want like an experience. They want you to give everything, you know, they want uh, a great performance. They, you know, they want freaking amazing songs and amazing sounds and, you know, so yeah. What did it affect your your songwriting at all? Like, how was your how you said you were very proud of this record? So I guess can you tell us without giving anything? Look at Guns and Ro- I mean, you were in a Guns and Roses. It's like didn't they spend their advance on like heroin or something? That they got their recording well, advance. Well, I'm sure as you know, this is uh appetizer. <laughs> so we're gonna get into the GNR stuff. <laughs> I think there was a story I heard from my former manager Alan Niven that like Izzy had to give him the check that he got. Izzy yeah. gave him the check just so he wouldn't spend it on heroin. He's like, I know I'm going to spend yeah. it. I mean, we we've all grown up with these like stories of just complete dysfunctionality in rock bands, and they still make it. It's like like Oasis with um that gig at the Roxy where they're all given different set lists. And they were all so wasted and they're playing different, they were playing different songs and it was a disaster, but they still made it because the energy, you know, like, um, but, but I feel like now that's over. That's, that's gone. Now it's like, you know, you, you need your passwords for Dropbox to get your song mastered to get onto Spotify. <laughs> and we got to know how to do the playlist. And if you don't know that, then, you know, you're, you know, you're just like, you're done. You know, you got to, it's like, I think uh, the, the new version of the, you know, the so-called rock star or the podcaster or the, I mean, you've got to be, uh, more well-equipped, I think, um, to contend, which, which is great. You know, it's, that's just, it's good. I think we need, we need, maybe, yeah, the whole thing needed to kick up the ass, you know, maybe we needed to like lift our game and sort of be more creative and more resourceful. Yeah. I mean, obviously there are uh, all the millions of people that died, which is terrible, but I've said, you know, mm. me personally, it's been a blessing in disguise because I've learned a lot about myself and, you know, thankfully I can work from home and I have this, you know, with my regular job and I have this podcast to connect me with fans all over the world. So for me, it was a blessing. And so that's yeah. why I was like getting perspectives from people like you where, and with musicians in general, it's just such a hard, difficult business in overall. And then to have yeah. your world shrunk and now even where it's still shrunk, where you can't leave the country, you know, mm. it's, it's, it's good to see that you're still, I'm getting a positive vibe off you. And, oh, you're creating, and, you're creating, <laughs> and you're creating new music. So I think yeah. it's just, um, I think it's just fantastic what you've been able to do with it. So, I mean, that's what you, that's all you can do. It was a terrible situation, obviously. And yeah. you make the best of it. And that seems like yeah. exactly what you're, you're doing. Passwords included. I mean, we, we've done gigs where like, we're all packed up. You know, we played the gig last night. We're leaving and you're halfway to the next gig and you go to the tour manager, you go, Oh, did you get, did you get paid for that? Did you talk to the venue? And they go, Oh shit. Okay. Turn around. We forgot to even get paid for the gig. Like, I mean, that's how loose, you know, a bunch of guys in a van playing every night. That's how loose it can be. But, um, you feel restricted now, maybe a little bit that it's not as loose or you just understand that's just the way it is now. Uh, well, it's like, you know, it's like, you know, when you arrive at a country and you like get your passport out, you know, you're going through customs, have you got the visa and you're like, and you kind of got that nervous energy and everyone's like queuing up and you're like, yep, I'm here to like do that. It's like, now that's like going to the cafe is like that. It's like, whoop, yep, I've got my um, QR code. I got my pass and I got the mask and I'm, yeah, and you just like, you know, someone's watching, have they done the right, you know, um, yeah, you know, so it's like, um, yeah, I mean, you got to, yeah, there, there is a element of um, adjustment. You're being, you know, people are aware of every move, but, but um, 
I mean, I remember when we used to tour in the States, like in the early days and like, we'd go to LA and play, you know, Coachella, you come back here and, you know, if you said, oh, we just play Coachella, it'd be like, what's Coachella? <laughs> yeah, what, what's, um, but, and then over 10 years or, you know, 18 years, now you've got Instagrammers going, we've just bought our tickets to Coachella. We're flying over. We're going to spend three days in Vegas. And you're like, holy cow. Like, you know, we, we've, we've sort of become accustomed to having the world as our, like at our doorstep, you know, and um, yeah. Uh, and that's, that's been taken away from us, I guess, to an extent, but I mean, yeah. So yeah, everything's changing. Like, to an extent, but I think that's sorry. I didn't mean to to cut you off, but you're still doing shows in Australia. Yeah. You're still getting out there, you know, seeing people face to face. It's just constricted. So, what is it? What have the shows been like? You know, down under us as uh, we Americans. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, well, we just played on Saturday night, I think. Yeah, which was two nights ago, and um, it's freaking young crowd. Hey. Like it was like 18 to 25 year olds. And I don't know if that's like the new demographic of people who have got the guts to go out to a concert. (laughs) (laughs) They feel like they're not um, in the high risk category, but I don't know, maybe the audiences have gotten younger or the punters are a bit younger. Cause, and the, uh, I don't know, the uh, The middle aged and older people are staying at home. I, I don't know what's going on, but. Uh, I, I haven't kind of been out enough on the road to see what's what, what, but in the States, are you finding like a all age demographics, like out and about or are people kind of still right. a bit nervous right. or here's a, here's a good uh, transition for one. I, you have to clarify, uh, what punters mean. Is that what you said? Is that, a- uh, people who go to gigs, I guess. Okay. Yeah. That's what I love doing this podcast is talking to people yeah. around the world. Things I don't know. You know, I barely yeah, yeah. language of punters. Uh, yeah, there have been. I've been to, as you see, my my shirt and in the podcast. Yeah. So, so I've been to three Guns N' Roses shows since uh, the. Yeah. Uh, we went to uh, Hershey Park, Pennsylvania. Uh, I, mean, I say we, me, my fiance, not just the voices in my head, but the. Uh, so we yeah. went to Hershey Park, New Jersey, and Baltimore. Yeah. And was, the ages were everywhere. It was from little yeah. kids to, you know, old rockers that are still holding yeah. on to their long hair with their uh, bald spot. So yeah. but it also depends on where you go. There are certain states that are more strict. Mm. Uh, you know, they're, they're pretty, they are strict now here in New York that you have to wear a mask mm. to go with the dine inside. But we mm. went to Arizona this summer and it's like COVID never happened. Yeah. So, so it, it, it depends, I guess. But yeah. uh What's been what's great though, because yeah, concerts are an escape. That's a, a sense of normalcy, even with yeah. the mask. Whatever, it's you're you're still out with people, but is yeah. to hear new music, is to get new music. So that's why I'm I'm excited and to get to get this update from you. So where are you in the process of New Wolf Mother and and how we can consume it wherever? Yeah, we yeah. Well, uh, um. I just spoke to a label last night. I mean, I'm going to license it to a label. Like the last one I just put out independently. And, uh, and yeah, I mean, I, I, I like that. I like putting out music more consistently because, um, you know, the means of distribution are pretty amazing. Like these days, like you don't need to like pack up a, a boat with CDs and ship it off and put it in the shelves and, right. you know, and pre-order 300,000. Oh, they've sent back 200,000 CDs of because nobody at Tower Records likes the new single. It's like, you know, those days are gone. And I mean, yeah. Uh, so yeah, it's, it's hard to say what's, what's going on in, in the land of record labels and, what they can do for you, but uh, I'm sure they can, you know, the press and I mean, look at, look at us talking now, you know, it's like even like on Cosmic Egg, like, you know, we did a national, a worldwide tour 
a press tour like before the record came out, you know, meeting with all the press in New York. Um, and then came back and did a tour like three months later. You just kind of wonder, like, I mean, how, like, that's all changed now, like, really, like, yeah. You know? Right. The, exactly. I mean, this is, if this was uh, a year ago, we probably would have just spoke on the phone. I wouldn't be able to see the studio where you're recording the new Wolf Mother. But where are you with the, now you said you're going to the labels, but is the album, mm-hmm. is your part of it done? Yeah, yeah, it's mixed and mastered and, um, yeah, so, I mean, I could upload it right now after this interview and... You don't know the password. You don't know the password. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, this record, I think, like, the first song is, like, a sort of... It's got a bit of, you know, English and American. It's almost like the first song is, like deep purple English kind of, you know, uh, boogie rock kind of thing. And then the next one is like, you know, an ode to kiss with Detroit rock city and Paul Stanley front man banter, like that kind of thing. And then there's a bit of a David Lee Roth front man kind of thing on the next one. And so I sort of, um I've got and then there's like a depressing introspective Aussie kind of you know kind of uh well not not depressing but sort of like you know um yeah that that kind of uh how would you describe it reflective yeah, introspective something like you're ang- thinking angsty reflective and uh that kind of adolescent angst (laughs) for lack of a better way of putting it. So I think I I just have gone through all the, all the greatest front men of rock and roll from the States and the UK. And I've just tried to like, as a fan of rock and roll myself, I, you know, I like to pretend to like be like them, you know, and then I find my own voice and my own persona through trying to be, you know, but, but not trying to be someone else, but like, you know, getting inspired by other, other front men, you know? So I dig uh, it. And, you know, you look at these artists and like, they say that they're like, I'm not going to name names, but they say, um, inspired by Howling Wolf and, um, and it's like, come on, dude, like you're doing Robert Plant. Okay. That's that. <laughs> so it's like, just, you know, show some respect, you know. I I, um, I appreciate that. And I love when my favorite musicians are fans themselves. So since you yeah. mentioned uh, David Lee Roth, let me ask, what do you think about him retiring? He's doing these last few show da- uh, dates in, in, in Vegas, and, and that's it for Diamond Dave. Have you, did you get to see um, Van Halen back in the day? Do you have any Van Halen, uh, David Lee Roth stories, Any or, or just share your fandom of Diamond Dave? Uh. Well, I mean, it, it's like, yes, announcing your retirement. Is that, is that allowed in, in rock and roll? Like, you said you something mad? similar about Kiss, which I want to ask because you're opening for Kiss too. So I'm, yeah, to yeah. I'm wondering. I mean, you're supposed to, it, it you know, we, it, it's like, no, that guy freaking died. <laughs> it's, it's like Eddie Van Halen died. That's definitive. Like where if you're a rock guy, you know, it's like there's no need to retire from anything. Maybe you're over it and you've had enough and you don't want to do it and you don't want to go on, you don't want to be on the stage. And, you know, but you could still do it. Like if you change your mind right. in three months time, if you like, if you're going through a bad stage and you're like, um, you know, just going through it and you go, I'm over this. I don't want to see a band again. I don't want to see any of this. Like, you know, I'm sure everyone goes through that with whatever they're doing and they go, that's it. But you go, but Hey man, like next year when the sun comes out and there's some, you know, get offered some great fee to play freaking jump. 
Right. <laughs> <laughs> like who knows? Like how how, how right. seriously do you take retirement from from a singer? Like I mean, it's not. Well, yeah. Let me ask then. How did the kiss thing come about? Because they've retired several times. Do you believe that's going to happen? Do you believe twenty twenty two is going to be it for them? That you are going to be a part of their final shows, their final final shows. So they say. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, you know, the work ethic of Kiss is like pretty impressive. You know, I mean, they've been playing shows since before I was born. So, I mean, you, you got to take your hat off to that, you know. Um, and yeah, I mean, I, I know Gene Simmons has said that, like, oh, you know, you don't want to be an embarrassment to yourself on the stage. You got to know when to pull the pin and when to get off. And, but I mean, it, it seems good to me. It's not like this is getting. I mean, I've I've played it in Chicago at Riot Festival with um Jerry Lee Lewis, like headlining, and he's like in his eighties and he's amazing. Or you know, you've got uh, I don't know. I just think we've music rock and roll um you know you look at bob dylan muttering away like growling and in his own rearranging songs changing the key change just go uh, blowing in the wind <laughs> he's still standing there with twelve thousand people going that's bob dylan that is freaking cool like like i don't know like i think artistic license you know um, I would just personally, you know, like you, you never know how you feel, like you never know how you're going to feel a year down the track. So, yeah. Is that the goal for you to be in your eighties singing Joker and the thief? Why not? You know, why not? Yeah, actually. Yes. Like I would like to challenge, um, the, the preconception of like deteriorating rock star. Like, I mean, why not just be like good at 80? Why not fucking stay fit and actually, you know, do a great show when you're that age? Like why, you know, it, it's, it's all kind of very like defeatist, poor me sort of, you know, I don't know. It's just, yeah. You know, like, are you going to, quit being a podcaster or, you know, I'm, I'm sure you've had your fair share of good and challenges and good and bad things, but, you know, you want to see people like, you know, continue to do what they love and, and not kind of self impose any kind of limitations on themselves. Yeah. You know? And I'm sure David Lee Roth loves being David Lee Roth at the end of the day. Come on. Of course he does. I can see him walking into like the grocery store like he does. Like, hey, look at all the ladies here tonight. While he's walking down like the, the frosted food aisle. I, I, So, I mean, I hope it's not it for him, but it, it's cool that you are inspired, you know, by him and by Ozzy on, on, and these, these legends on this. It's making me really, I'm really intrigued to hear uh, this new Wolf Mother. So, yeah, yeah. Hurry yeah. up already. When is it coming out? Do, yeah. do, you, have, do you have any yeah, idea right. if it might come out? Uh well, that's a good question. Uh I should I should have asked. Yeah, I mean, I, I've spoken to some labels and I'm like, how long would it take you to set up the record? And they're like, we can put it out in five days. Cause you know, I I, I finished um Victorious. Like I had the demos for that, then we waited for the producer, probably like five months and then it was done in three months and then they were like oh we're gonna put it out in eight months you go wow that's like man that's gone from like that's a long stretch of time so yeah uh set up for a record isn't as long as it used to be you know and you don't have to like i mean are we are we all like basing it around making a hoodie uh, and a t-shirt and a vinyl and making a bundle for, I mean, isn't that getting a bit obvious as well? Oh, well, how about like, when do you think you can hear, uh, like a single, like when, what do you think a single would come out like this year, like next year, you think, or uh, it's gotta be, yeah, it's gotta be this year. It's gotta be. Year. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. 
All right. That's that's a good enough. This year is almost over. So that's that's a fine enough of an answer. I like it. Yeah. 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 Cool. Then I got to ask, because I like that you said I'm always preaching about the uh, the aging rock star. And since yeah. I, I think I'm only if I how old are you, if you don't mind me asking, I didn't do all of my research. Forty five. All right. So I just turned thirty eight. So I'm only a few years younger than you. Yeah. So yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hold you to I'm going to see Wolf Mother when you're 80. I'm going to hold yeah. you. <laughs> But I'm always talking about the aging rock star because, as you could tell, I do a GNR podcast, and it bothers me when people, you know, and this is you and uh, Slash, as I'm bringing yeah. a new background yeah. to my Zoom uh, portion of the interview. And yeah. it bothers me when people are like, oh, Axel doesn't sound like he does in his 20s, or David Lee Roth doesn't sound like the same. Dude, it's still Axel. It's still David Lee Roth. It's still Paul Stanley. Just to go there, yeah. it's, I think yeah. it's incredible. So uh, before I maybe ask your opinions yeah. about, uh, as a vocalist, GNR, uh, you had one of my favorite songs on Slash's first solo record, uh, mm-hmm. By the Sword. Can you guys talk yeah. about how that came about and working with Slash on that record? Uh, yeah. Uh, well, I was, um, well, as, as you probably can remember, uh, the other two guys in the band, like, quit. Yeah. So I was just like, yeah, sold millions of records and um, two of the world, won a Grammy, played the biggest fest, you know, played um, Coachella, Isle of Wight, Donington, Rockham Ring, you know, had like life changing experience. And then I get to the end of it all with a moment to like relax and it's like, oh, we quit. Yeah. And I'm like, then I get an email saying, do you want to do a song with Slash? And I think that's, yeah, that's, that's like, um, that's, that's like, you know, validation outside of Wolf Mother, you know what I mean? That like a freaking iconic rock, you know, guy, star has approached me to do this thing. So I should do this thing, man. I got to like, you know, um, make a, make a statement outside of Wolf Mother and kind of, you know, embrace this opportunity. But there was uh, a little bit of hesitation from the powers that be. And I, and I kind of, you know, I don't know what happens, but sometimes things like slip through the cracks. You know what I mean? Like when you've got labels and managers and things, opportunities come along and they like the wires get crossed and things kind of fall by the wayside. And it's like, call back, say, yes, I'll be there. Let's make this happen. And uh, so we went over, I think we were touring with ACDC at the time, uh, the biggest tour in Australian history, might I add, one in four people in Australia were at this on that tour. Wow. We did five nights in a row at Eddie had stadium in Melbourne, which is 50,000 people a night. So I finished that tour with ACDC flew straight over to LA. Oh, hang on. No, that was that. that now I'm talking about the release. No, that was, <laughs> No, actually, we made that. We did the song before that ACDC tour, um, but he chose it to be the single whilst I was on tour with ACDC. Um, uh, so, yeah, I was making Cosmic Egg, which was a second record, put together another band, wrote another record, um, and then we were recording like six days a week or five days a week in L.A. Then on Sunday on my day off, I'd go over and see – you know, jam through the song with Slash. We were playing acoustic. Like we actually went through By the Sword on the acoustic, which I think is a great way to sort of like tighten it up and do the arrangements and get the lyrics happening, get a good chorus. And, you know, when you play it on the acoustic, you're like, oh, this is a good song. Or, you know, so um, I think that set the foundation for like, a good song, you know what I mean? Um, had you met before you and Slash before this? Nah. And he just ca- called, he's he obviously liked your voice and wanted to work with you and just made it happen. Yeah, 
Wow. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we just sort of played on the acoustic. Um, I think at the time, like, I mean, I don't drink now. I haven't had a drink for almost three years, but like, like before I'd go into five years for me or six years. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. So awesome. Wow. Five years. That's, that's a good effort. Good. You worked it out once you're younger too. Yeah. Uh, I had to, uh, thankfully I was in therapy that my therapist is like, you start, uh, you stop drinking, go to AA or I'm not going to see you anymore. And oh, I'm like, I, I will really want to see my therapist. So, uh, yeah. 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 Well, I'm, proud, I'm proud of you too. I'm proud of you. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's hard. It's hard. It's hard. Especially, uh, yeah. being, especially being in your field. I mean, I, I can't even imagine when it's around you all the time. I'm sure. Yeah. Well, I probably just got a caffeine addiction now. That's <laughs> kind of what I say. Like you trade yeah. one addiction for another, but you take the lesser yeah. of evils. That that's okay. That's okay. I forgive yeah. for, for that. <laughs> so how did uh, the lyrics, I guess, come out? He came to you with the music and you were inspired to write by the sword. Like, where, where was that song within you? Um, hmm. The lyrics, uh, well, I, I was, um, yeah, it's funny. I just like, just, I was renting, um, Alan, Adam Levine's house from Maroon five up in, uh, somewhere, I think it was the old Hollywood area of, of LA. Um, and he had a, a guitar up on the wall and I was just sort of like, man, I think I was like having breakfast in the kitchen and I just literally like wrote down the lyrics, like before I went in to, to play with Slash that night. Like, um, yeah, I'm not trying to like talk it down or anything, but it just, I, like, I didn't even put, honestly didn't put that much effort into it. I just like wrote it on a piece of paper, went through the song and met up that night. And then just, that was it. It, it, you know, uh, sometimes with songwriting, effort doesn't equal outcome. You know, you can put in a lot of effort and get a, a song that you're just going to delete, you know, and then you can, you can, you can have these amazing moments where you just like, you like write it on the spot and it's like, wow, that's the next hit, you know, and just put that one out. So you just got to keep chipping away and hoping that, that that's going to happen. But um, you just got to be ruthless with yourself, I think, and just be like, I know I put heaps of effort into that and that, and I'd put no effort into that, but that's a better song, you know? Huh. Interesting. You, you mentioned also, because I don't want to keep you here forever, because I know you're obviously a very busy dude. Uh, yeah. You mentioned ACDC. What did you think of Axl Rose fronting ACDC? How do you think that worked together? Um, well, uh, oh yeah, I think, he, yeah, it's great. Yeah. It's good to, um, as you know, I've had a few different people in the band and, uh, so I've experienced, I know what it's like to like, go, oh, fire out like this dude's like not going to do this tour. And we've like made our sound around this and how's this going to work? And then someone comes along and you're like, we can still do this. Like, you know, like you sort of go through this like horrible stage and then you, and then you just stay and go, this is still working. You know, And you get this moment of like, ah, oh, like it's, it's kind of sad to see someone go, but then it's like, it's empowering to be like far out. Like, we can keep the show on the road as well. You know, it's sort of empower. So I can see seeing Axl Rose up there. It's like, well, yeah, he can hit the notes. He's got the gravelly sound. He's, um, yeah, he's got a lot of rock authenticity and credentials to his own, you know, in his own right. So, um, it's kind of, um, yeah, it's incredible to see like a great band like ACDC with such a you know imprint on you know modern culture and rock and roll to to like survive and to put on a great show 
with another singer. I mean, they res- they res- they replaced Bon Scott. They've been there before. So you can't be a Puritan about things, you know? So, yeah, right. I think it works really well. You're right. And as we mentioned, some uh, of the singers you were inspired by was you, you and Axel are, are, are different in some ways, uh, mm. obviously vocally, but was he one, did he inspire you at all? Because you mentioned David Lee Roth, you mentioned, you know, Paul Stanley. Uh, do you remember the first time perhaps you heard Appetite, you know, where you were? Um, well, there's, there is one song that we have called White Unicorn. Um, and I, I had a, another vocal in the early days when, it, when I wrote that song. I thought, what if I just like, I think I might have actually thought, what if I sing this like Axl Rose, you know, inject that, that melody. Um, so I did, yeah, I think I was possibly... Uh, inspired by Axl Rose to to put that kind of melodic structure with you know those because uh, I think there is a sort of there, there is a romantic quality to to um to Guns and Roses you know I know there's a lot of like tough bravado but there is like a sort of hang out with your mates for the case of beer and get an acoustic out and <laughs> you know sing something uh with a I, I don't know like it's like a ballad you know um and i um we we supported the old guns and roses uh incarnate uh the the version without slash and you know that 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 version in um serbia um wow and how was that experience in serbia of all places yeah. Well, when we turned up to the, uh, the festival, it had like no firearms, no Nazis, <laughs> no like knives, this sign. And you go, so like, this was someone like, Oh damn, got to put my <laughs> explosives and knives and my not swastika away. Like, Oh, it's like, what kind of festival are we going to here? But, um, but, uh, I mean, what what hit me that night when I saw, uh, you know, oh, I got actually got a funny story about that. Um, we um, we did a cover of another brick on the wall. We 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 worked that into White Unicorn, and we had the whole crowd singing along to another brick on the wall, and then um. Axel Rose, like he turned up like an hour or two late for his gig. He gets on the on the stage and he does a cover of another brick on the wall. <laughs> After the whole gig, <laughs> he didn't see our gig. So it was like, yeah. So that night the crowd got two bands playing another brick on the wall. <laughs> That's why they used to cover that. That's really funny. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, I thought it, you know, I thought it was a great show. I I mean I think having a slash back in the mix of course, you know, he's brought what he does back to the band and it, and that, you know, that is what it is. Like you can't, you know, he's got a signature style that kind of drives that band. Yeah, uh, that is true. Yeah. Hey, uh- I, I got to see the version that you played with, not in, uh, you know, uh, in, 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 in countries where Nazis aren't allowed. But I, I saw the you know, Buckethead Ashba version, and I finally got to see the Slash version for the first time uh, yeah. when they when they reunited. And yeah, it's a certain vibe that you you just didn't get uh, before. Uh, and yeah, I, he drives it with that. Yeah, yeah, you, you hear it. It's 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 more obviously guitar driven. You know, it's got that the grit, the dirt, and, you know, of course the virtuosity that he has, you know, with it, but, but that's, but that wasn't what really struck me just seeing Guns N' Roses with Slashback. It was more just like the kind of drive and the, you know, the solid riffs and, you know, um, but they've got that kind of pop element too, don't they? With all their, 
you know, the poppy kind of um, things like some of those songs off uh, the, the second, what was it? Um, Chinese democracy. You, you know, they, they still have that in the set list and it's very like, <laughs> did you like that? that? That's a whole nother thing in itself. So, yeah. Did you like that album? Chinese democracy. Uh, how can I, what, what can you say about that one? It's, um, I'll have to have another listen to it, but, um, what, 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 do, what do I actually think? Well, there's, there's one song that's kind of, it's got this like Pavarotti kind of element to it that I can't remember. Uh, this, what, this, what I love, this I love. Is that the one? Is it because yeah. that's the one that he sings like Pavarotti, I guess, because that's that's, yeah. the, that's a very, you know, solo ballad. He's there's no music. Um, you know, the instrumentals don't kick in uh, for a bit. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think what, when that record came out, it's just so shrouded in publicity that it's probably it's even hard to know what the record sounds like because your your opinions are tainted by. And I mean, it's pretty amazing that like. That was another decade, wasn't it? That was like, you know, that's almost like the Beatles putting out a record in the eighties or something and just. <laughs> <laughs> I like, like that analogy. That's funny. Yeah. Do you, uh, do you look at Axel? Like, do you understand that you, you mentioned it before as somebody who has gone through lineup changes, do you appreciate mm-hmm. I guess, what he had to go through to, to, and to keep the name? You know, yeah. like, do you, do you, do you ever look at him and be like, eh, you know, what if he just called it Axel? But you know, you you're doing with Wolfmother, it's your thing. So I respect that, you know. So it's like do you, you look at Axel kind of the same way. Yeah, well, uh you know, being nobody wants to be the the guy who has to yeah tell anyone what to do, you know in a band like this is the song this is what we're doing this is like you know we all like to think that it's like it's all random and chaos and we're all just having fun and we're all getting wasted and it's it all just came out of a jam and <laughs> and you know that that's like what we you know i think what you tell the public to make it all sound like fun and friendly and cool but like someone's like Hey, do you want to do a rehearsal? You want to do a tour? Do you want to like play these songs? And, um, you know, and if you go for a long period of time, you know, people, uh, find it, uh, challenging or to, to kind of, to work together as a unit and function over a long period of time. It's not for everyone, you know? And uh, I think um, the, the the old perception is like, oh, okay, oh, mate, Ringo's quit, the band's over, we're gonna have to call it something else, you're gonna have to write a new record and start from scratch. But uh, I guess the new model that's happened, you know, 50 years down the track in, in rock and roll is like, oh, uh, maybe we can replace that guy and keep going and make another record and build, you know, and are we, are we being controlled by someone who quits or are we being controlled by someone who keeps going? You know, it's like, or something like, it's like a, where does the, you know, who's the better person and who's doing the right thing and where does the power lie and what do we adhere to someone's, you know, what someone wants to do. You know, so I, I think, you know, bands like ACDC or, you know, even, you know, Axl Rose or uh, what other bands have had. Um, sometimes, you know, the, it's like the weakness can be a greatest strength as well. Like maybe, I mean, I look back at festivals that I played in 2000 and I look at the lineup of the festival and like, man, all those bands don't exist anymore. Yeah. yeah. They're all gone. And, you know, so sometimes it's good to couple that flack and keep going because, like, um, you're fighting for your own survival, you know, out there in, in, in the landscape of, of music. And 
Look, if you like get your family, you know, your wife and kids or your fiance or whatever, you get your, you fly to Jakarta with your crew. Now you want people to be there. Like you've outlaid X amount of dollars, flights, accommodation, visas, rehearsals, the whole thing. You get there. You want people to be there. And sometimes like, man, it's like uh, you put Wolf Mother on there and it's like, it's going to cover your expenses and you get to play rock and roll. You put your own name on there and you know, people don't know who you are. I mean, unless you're Rod Stewart and Bob Dylan and, um, you know, uh, I, know I know what you mean. It's uh, yeah. it's a branding. Thing. I, I, I do get it. Not everyone likes it, but I think as long mm. as the, the, you made an interesting point where just because somebody else quits, should that be on me? Should that stop me? You know? So I, 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 I appreciate you going forward. I think all Wolf Mother uh, fans have appreciated you carrying that flag. You know, as somebody who found you when I was in college in the early 2000s, yeah. so I, I remember that first Wolf Mother record and the, you know, that you, you're still doing stuff today and you're about to put out a new record. I mean, yeah. I'm glad that nobody stopped that. I'm glad you're, you know, obviously. And one of the things I want to mention, yeah. we, we end because, I, as I mentioned, I have fans in Australia. You're doing stuff with Primus soon, right? Yeah. So what uh, do you that is, we couldn't get a, like, I mean, we had to get, it was a bit risky because like to come back to Australia, you've got a quarantine to get back. And at the time um, there's like a backlog of uh, people waiting to get into quarantine to come back. So you could actually be stuck waiting at LAX for a couple of months or whatever to get a quarantine hotel to come back. So I have like, you know, people in the band with like kids and like, it was just too much for us to, to put people out that much to get over. I don't think it was the right time for Wolf Mother to be uh, touring at that time. So we're not on that Primus tour, but. Okay. um, But uh, yeah, it's funny how you're saying about like, you know, calling it a day when people quit or, you know, or when you, you don't want to do it or whatever. But like, I remember this um, journalist was like talking to me a lot about, you know, people changing and this, that, the other. And she was like, Oh, I remember seeing you at this, when we headlined Splendor in the grass. And I thought, wow, if I didn't put together another band and put out another record, you would never have seen Wolf Mother but you don't know that because you never saw <laughs> because because you're too young to have even been around when the first lineup was there. But so it's kind of like glass half empty, half full, like, you okay, you know, what, how do you see this? But, you're right. but in, on the same token, man, I do solo shows as well. I go out there as Andrew Stockdale and I come back from like American tours and play to like um, smaller crowds, solo or sometimes I take a band and I actually run at a loss. Like I spend the money that I make from Wolf Mother. (laughs) I come back and go on tour as Andrew Stockdale and lose, you know, play for nothing and actually lose it. Cause I think, well, it's fun. You know, I like doing what I do anyway. Wow. But, um, you know, I gotta, I gotta make a living. So I still kind of, you know, I have to kind of make it work on one hand, but also I'm, you know, I don't mind doing it for nothing as well. Yeah. I get it. And I think from the get go, I could tell your passion for what you do, the industry, you know, this was such a pleasurable experience uh, to talk to you, uh, Andrew. Obviously I've been listening to your music for, for so long. And I, you know, when the world gets back to normal ish, you know, whether whether it's just Andrew Stockdale solo or with Wolf mother, you know, when yeah. you come to New York, I can't wait to see you, you know, and uh, they hear yeah. new Wolf Mother tunes. You know, I'm well, this was just a lot of fun. I hope- shaking your hand and saying hi to what a Irving Plaza or something doing a gig. 
Yeah. See, you know, you can you can uh, name drop some on New York <laughs> clubs. You got it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Awesome. Andrew, thank you so much for your time. I hope we get to do this again. Yeah. Pleasure. Thanks for reaching out. And yeah, great to chat. And um, yeah, hopefully we'll see you over in the States you in the uh, not too distant future. You got it. So that does it for this episode of Appetite for Distortion. What a cool dude. You just never know. Like I, I say this, I get nervous before interviews. So I'm never going to be too cool for that. I don't know. Something about it's like, is he going to be a fun, friendly guy? What kind of, you know, short answers? Or what is it going to be? No, nothing like that from the get-go. And I know some of you have asked, and maybe if I, if I get him on again, I'll, I'll ask him. But he's already answered this about uh, Mike Patton. It was years ago, uh, Mike Patton from Faith No More. He was being interviewed at a festival and Wolf Mother was on and, and Mike Patton said that they sucked. Uh, and, and and Andrew was asked about that years ago and he took the high road with an answer. So I know some of you wanted me to ask him about that, but he's answered it. It just didn't come up organically. Uh, but that was, you know, some cool stuff about uh, Slash and, and Axel. And uh, you never know how a true Aussie looks at ACDC. Is it sacrilege to replace? Oh, but it, as he mentioned, you replace, you know, Bon Scott, but Bon Scott died. So I guess, uh, that's a different story. That's a different story. Look at me ending episodes awkwardly, as I always do. So thanks again for hanging out in another episode of Appetite for Distortion. Uh, follow, subscribe, however you listen. If you're watching this on YouTube, thanks. I'm loving to see these subscribers go up. Because if these subscribers go up, I could potentially make a few more cents off of, off of YouTube. And they don't need all that money. And however you listen to it, if it's just on the podcast platforms, iHeartRadio, Spreaker, uh, Podbean, I forget where, we're everywhere. Wherever, your pod, wherever you listen to podcasts is, is what they say. Uh, just hit the like and subscribe button because those numbers go up too. And that's how we get our guests. You know, they, they will look at, you know, I will put in my initial email, I'll put a link to, you know, usually iHeart and they'll see all the guests that we've had. And whoa, that's 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 pretty big. It's some of the guests, you know. Obviously, now uh, Andrew Stockdale, or we had Dave Mustaine, or Paulie Shore, you know, Matt Sorum. Which, by the way, I forget if I've mentioned this on a podcast. Uh, that is, I think I did. We scheduled to next year at some point. His his book is being delayed again. I don't know why. That's all I know. But I've had Matt Sorum on uh, before. But then they also, after that, they look at social media. How many followers do you have? So that's also a nice reminder to please follow my new new Twitter at the AFD podcast. Because uh, God forbid I shared my own Guns N' Roses concert videos that got me suspended. Although if you follow on Facebook and Instagram, you get to see some videos of hard school that I took. <laughs> Everyone's sharing videos, their own videos. They're not for sale. Whatever. I'm getting off on a tangent. So if you... Uh, as today, I recorded this the same day as I recorded the Mark Cantor interview. So uh, Twitter was the only safe haven today as Instagram and Facebook were down. And my numbers on there are higher. So get it. Let's, let's bring Twitter up to where Instagram and Facebook are. If you can help me out with that, I would appreciate it. Thanks. Uh, so that, again, does it for this episode. Uh, what is to come? Well, Michael Ryan who uh, wrote the Scooby-Doo episode with Axl Rose, making that happen too. I love it. The, the, all the, these current episodes are ones that I've been working on for months and playing email tag or following up on a no answer. Uh, you, you get a, This happens. Sometimes you get a yes, and then it's just radio silence. It's like, it's like when you ask a girl out, or at least what I remember. It's like, what did I do wrong? You know? It's like, what happened? I thought we really connected on Tinder. Um, but that's okay. Things are the way they are now for a reason, aren't they? Uh, so again, I'm uh, desperately asking for your help out of uh, said desperation. Oh, and also you can buy t-shirts and stuff on Redbubble. That's another way to support the podcast. Uh, wherever you go, I was wearing mine at all the Guns N' Roses shows because I'm a shameless self-promoter, as you are able to tell right now. Uh, after that, uh, I think next week we'll probably do a, a tour review episode to get a few fans on there for 
you to talk about the tour that was maybe talk about what we hope to see in the future from Guns N' Roses. And after that, ooh, I just don't know. So again, the best way to find out about all the guests, all the upcoming episodes, to even take part in them, to ask questions, to be a co-host, follow on social media, especially Twitter. One last plug for the new Twitter at the AFD podcast. Okay, so that does it for this episode. When will you see the next one? The words of Axel Rose concerning Chinese democracy. You'll see it, I don't know, as soon as the word. Security, I'm going home.